Perfetto. Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9920. 23 and enter the pin 287-723-4600 followed by the pound key twice and now your hosts chris devon perry lester sean platts robert herrick and bill sparks well good evening from one very warm southwest florida i'm bill sparks hey chris hey all right. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, I feel like Gomer Pyle here. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, this is hey, a show. Num- <laughs> yeah, really? Golly. <laughs> All right. This is a show number 132. It's February 23rd, 2021. The uh, spring training is underway. But we uh, actually, and we'll, well, let me give you the agenda, but uh, we'll do our breaking news first. We were on the air um, after the crash of Kobe Bryant, uh, the plane crash, uh, January 26th of 2019. So we were on Sundays. And now since uh, we moved to, uh, 2020, that's right. I, I can't yeah. imagine anything. I keep thinking New Year's Day was March 11th when everything got canceled and postponed. You know, <laughs> yeah. that was when 2020 really started, but it didn't. But anyway, so that we were on that night, and we did a lengthy uh, story on that and so forth. And, of course... Uh, that was, a crash had happened. There were a lot more details. We do have some on the Tiger Woods situation. In a minute, Bill will be playing a couple of minutes on from ESPN, and then we'll talk about that. First of all, don't want to forget that Rick Swan is with us, our new panelist, and he's uh, going to be with us this evening. But uh, And I will do the death list after that. So probably the best thing to do is to go through and do the Tiger story, and then we'll talk about our other items for the agenda this evening. Here you go, Chris. Breaking news coming out of the state of California just after 7.12 a.m. Pacific, 10.12 Eastern Time. Tiger Woods, 15-time major championship golfer, was involved in a serious car accident, a one-car accident. And according to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, it was a rollover accident in which Tiger Woods had to use the jaws of life to extract him from the car. Here's what we know right now. His agent, Mark Steinberg, just put out a statement moments ago saying that Tiger confirming that he was in a single car accident this morning in California where he suffered multiple leg injuries. He is currently in surgery, and we thank you for privacy and support. That again coming from his agent, Mark Steinberg, who released a statement as you take a look now at the crash footage there from California. Now, it happened in the Rancho's Palos Verdes neighborhood. To give you an idea of where that is at in California, it's about 31 miles south of Los Angeles, about 14 miles west of Long Beach. Tiger most recently was in the L.A. area at Riviera for the Genesis Open, of which he is the host of the tournament. This coming from the L.A. County Sheriff's a statement confirming what had happened with Tiger Woods on February 23rd, 2001 at approximately 7.12 a.m. 
L.A. County Sheriff's Department responded to a single car rollover traffic collision on the border of Rolling Hills Estates and Rancho's Palos Verdes. The vehicle was traveling northbound on Hawthorne Boulevard and Black Horse Road, where it crashed. The vehicle sustained major damage. The driver, a sole occupant, was identified as PGA golfer Eldrick Tiger Woods. Mr. Woods was extracted from the rack with the jaws of life by the Los Angeles County firefighters and paramedics and then transported to a local hospital by ambulance for his injuries. The traffic investigation is still being conducted by investigators from LASD Lomita Station. You guys can... And as we now know, that is not correct. He was not removed by jaws of life. He was removed through the windshield um, using equipment, but not yes. by jaws of life. That that right. I was we can now by the fire department, yeah, the fire department and the sheriff sheriff's department was right. Right KCBS, now, what, and, and we still don't know what the cause of the accident is. There is right. a press conference underway right now. I have my phone just far enough away from me where you guys won't hear it. But in case something comes down, yeah. we should be able to. TV is reporting that his injuries are not life-threatening. That is correct. Reports yeah, all day, correct. which weren't, I don't think, on that particular report, are that they're operating on his legs, that he's got multiple leg injuries. Correct. So yes. That's, yeah. that's, what, they're that's doing. what his agent said. And uh, it went over the center of the median, and it went over on the side and from, yeah, what they're saying, the pictures are very, very bad. Yeah, he ended up he about had, 30 feet off the highway is what yeah, I heard. Yeah, he had, he had suit, what, suitcases, several suitcases yeah. in the yeah. car. Was, I have, a feeling, I have a feeling he was on his way to the airport. Well, yeah. he may not have been on his way to the airport, but he was staying at a hotel perhaps nearer to where that tournament was yesterday. You know, because he played, played good Sunday, golf with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we played golf, I think, with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had played yesterday after yeah. the tournament. So after right, the and Jim Nance yeah. talked to him apparently on Sunday, because I've heard yeah. little snippets of that, yeah. and uh, apparently just asked him if he knew if he was going to be back for the Masters, and uh, you know he said he really didn't know. But of course, the Masters takes a bit of a rating said now because we know he won't be back for the Masters at this right. point. Since he's still the biggest draw in golf, but you know it, 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 he may have been at excessive speed. We we don't really know. They said um, as of now that there's no drugs or alcohol involved. Uh, again, I don't know whether that's a preliminary report because again they'll they'll maybe find out a little bit more with the at the hospital than they know. And and of course some drugs could be in his system. You know he's on he's had the the five back surgeries. He's been on yeah. pain pills and everything else. So we really don't know at this point. And but. he has been addicted to painkillers in the past. So right, you know. right, yeah, right. And, and a couple of sources have said he was dodging a coyote, but that has not been confirmed. Yeah, I've heard, heard I've heard that. Movie. Multiple places, but I don't know if that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. The so, most places I have not heard that is not that is. So, if you're hearing that, if any of you are hearing that he was hit by well, dodging the coyote, that has not been confirmed. Also, as, as Perry said, that we, there's a press conference coming up now, and they'll probably uh, straighten some of these stories out because some of these things were coming out before. Whenever there's a big story like this, you know, we heard all kinds of things uh, going on. You know, with 9-11 that were not quite true. You know, people were not sure what was going on. We heard things uh, with the uh, the marathon bombing, the, the lockdown. We heard stories about somebody going to Connecticut and they were chasing somebody in Connecticut. And that, that never happened. Yeah. So you hear and these think, different I think, stories Chris, even with even with the Kobe Bryant situation. We oh, were, yeah. Like, all kinds oh, yeah. Of stories, so. Well, yeah. we were we were on the air far enough afterwards. And it was pretty static by then, so I think we kind of had it all straight but by that the day time. Before we, yeah, before we got on, you were hearing all kinds of stories. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, but by the time we got and on, this, that, and, that and night, by the way, let's let's just well, this occurred at ten twelve Eastern time this morning, yeah. seven twelve Pacific, and it didn't come out until about 
uh, quarter to quarter to three Eastern. So I mean, it was yeah. it took a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me. Uh, so that's I think what we know about that. If uh, Perry gets anything on his phone or Bill gets anything, uh, they will let us know if uh, there's anything new on Tiger. But let me give you the uh, the list of the deaths we're going to be going over later, and then we will uh, go through the panel and everybody say hello, and we'll get Robert as our. Uh, we we actually have a starting lineup for our panel now. Just so, and now I'm going to say yeah. it now. So even the audience at home, the, the in the version where you play along at home with us, you know, like Jeopardy, you'll you'll know that it's going to be me, and it's going to be Rick, and then it's going to be Perry, uh, and then Bill will be our cleanup hitter because he's in charge, and then Robert, and then Sean, you know, who will give us all the numbers. Yeah. So we're going to try to have a regular way, so that way we don't forget people as, as I've been doing. We have a hockey long. starting lineup, the, the five and the goalie. We have yeah, yeah, we got six. Okay, so uh, the death. We got Claude Crab, 80 years old, cornerback, uh, uh, played for Washington, Philadelphia, and the Rams. Uh, Angel Mangual, 73, outfielder for the Pirates briefly and mostly for the Oakland A's and uh, won a World Series game with a single. Uh, Wayne Nunley, uh, and a longtime assistant coach, and but a head, mostly head coach UNLV. Well, not in his whole career. But he was there for like four years, uh, but that's where he, he had his head coach job. But he was uh, also a longtime assistant in the pros and in college. Uh, Jack Vivian, 79 years old, Bowling Green hockey coach, and then he uh, uh, was the coach and general manager of the Cleveland Crusaders and the WHA, and then a scout for the Islanders. Uh, Juan Pizarro, 84 years old, well-traveled pitcher. I will just say that, um, you know, and he did pitch briefly for the Red Sox. I think he was involved in the Ken Harrelson Sunny Seal. We're going to be hearing a lot about Ken Harrelson tonight. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to hear a lot about him today. But anyway, uh, Lou Krause, and this is why you're going to hear 77 uh, and we're going to tell a story about Luke Krause. He didn't get uh, traded from the team or suspended or anything. I think he had a $500 fine to pay. But we'll tell you a story about um, how it helped the Red Sox win the pennant, and Luke Krause did briefly pitch for the Red Sox. And then uh, Stan Williams uh, pitched for the Dodgers, Yankees, and other teams, and then was a longtime pitching coach. And the last one is John Roach, and he was a quarterback for the uh, Chicago Cardinals and, and brought back up with the Packers for a few years and then played briefly with Dallas. And uh, he was a punter, too, but then he went in the Air Force for two years and, and then came back uh, to the Chicago Cardinals and, and uh, St. Louis Cardinals and then ended up on Green Bay. So there you go. So for my little note for the panel. Uh, Hold on just a second, Chris. Robert, if you would hit star six, you should be able to unmute yourself. No, I did, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the nine to quit doing that, so I don't know how to fix that. Okay. So anyway, um, yes, because we didn't want to call on you and have you not here. That would be very embarrassing. <laughs> okay. So uh, my my little note is actually a, a, a couple of good signs here in the Northeast for the virus. Uh, on Sunday, when the Bruins played uh, in, at uh, Lake Tahoe, um, uh, J- Judd Surratt and Bob Beers went to the game. They were there. Now it was an outdoor game, but they actually were there. They were talking about the view they were getting and, you know, really being at the at the game. Now, obviously, they're not going to be traveling again. They've been covering games at the Garden like people have been covering in their home arenas, but they did go, and that, that was cool. Being an outdoor game was less, uh, less of a problem, so that was kind of cool. And I also heard um, that starting tonight in New York and, and Brooklyn, they're going to be 10% fans at the games. Not in Brooklyn. Not, not in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's only going to have 300 Three. fans. Exactly. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, ten percent at the Garden, and then uh, you know the three at the Bar three hundred three percent at the Barclays Center. Well, the Brooklyn thing is weird, and I don't know, Rick. Maybe you heard more about this because they were talking about you had to get a te- te- do a home test and then get another test when you came, and the tickets yeah. were one hundred fifty bucks. That's well, right. I know. You know, even for the Knicks game, you have to be tested, and you have to send them an email with the results and so on. I don't yep. know. I don't know how. I'm not, I heard one guy talking. He he used a certain home test that cost him one hundred nineteen dollars, but I don't think. I think that was more than he had to play if he wanted to do it another way. But, okay. Yeah, go get the dogs that they got in Miami. Hey, those are COVID dogs. <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, there you go. That sounds like a good idea. And it actually it sounded like, um, I'm not sure, but it sounded like there were fans in New Orleans the other day because the crowd sounded like it was reacting to what was going there's, on. Anyway, as far as New York, Chris, there are going to be 2,000 fans in the garden. Right. And so uh, the Knicks are going to use the maximum 10%. But for whatever reason, the Nets chose not to. So yeah, they just well, say they want to ease into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there might be hope here because if if they're doing it, and you know, because New York's been pretty much as strict as we have with things, and, and kind of on the same wavelength for most of the time, we've been doing better with just to tell people we've been doing better with restaurants than they have in New York. Like when was it, Rick? They finally said they were going to have indoor dining in New York just a few weeks ago. Yeah, we just, had yeah, that just for, a couple weeks ago. The yeah. summer, so you know, uh, I and don't the know. Theaters, the theaters open in New York on March fifth. Oh, that's good. All right. So so things are starting to move a little bit. So, Rick, what do you have for your little report today? Okay. First of all, going back to our conversation last week, batting second, I can bunt and move the runners over. <laughs> all right. That's right. Um, <laughs> I don't have much faith in Terry driving him in, though. That's my yeah. problem. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, it's, it's the first day when NFL teams can tag the – put the franchise or transition tag on players. Uh-huh. So in the in the spirit of tag day, I'm going to turn it over to Perry by saying, you're it. <laughs> that's that's an echo of a, an old uh, wedding toast. We won't get into that. <laughs> when I got married. But anyway, okay, Perry, what do you got? It, we actually have our windows open today. Boy, it's been nasty around this part of the country, but it's about 50 degrees. We have our windows open today. We completed our state wrestling tournament. They allowed 4,000 fans per session, and it all went well. It ended Those Saturday radicals. night. <laughs> that's uh, 4,000 is about a quarter of what the building holds. So that's about 25%. Yeah. First, everybody had masks. The you know the security was checking and making sure everybody had their masks and and all that. But it went well, and I think everybody everybody's cooperative. And um, our positivity rate is is only about four percent statewide. So I mean, it, it, yeah. I think things are headed in the right direction. Yeah, we're two right now. Yeah. Uh, so Bill, what do you got? Well, it's been a busy day doing the medical thing, and that'll be over with soon. And. Just hanging out, keeping a tab with all the sports news and broadcasting and doing the things that I do. Okay. So, Robert, you've got a couple of, I mean, obviously you can report on anything else you want to, but we've got a couple of things from NASCAR and tennis that we wanted to get done before uh, yeah. we get into our regular sports. Yep. Um, uh, I'm going to be reporting on NASCAR and tennis in this segment, and later on in the show I'll be doing boxing. Yep. Uh, but in NASCAR, for the second straight week, we had a first-time winner in NASCAR. Christopher Bell won the Daytona 253 road course race, and that was his first NASCAR uh, win. And, of course, uh, he did it in his 39th start, unlike Michael McDowell, who uh, raced 358 times before he got his first win in Daytona last week. And next week, uh, they're going to move to Miami to have a more normal 
uh, NASCAR race. It'll be a 400-mile yep. race, so we'll give you a report on that next week. Also, and got Ty, Oscar, you want to talk about, about Ty about Gibbs, the, right? Yeah. What about the history in the Xfinity? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I know that Ty Gibbs won, and he's the grandson of Joe Gibbs, uh, and he's 18 years old. But I don't yeah. know much more than that. Does anybody okay, else have? He, okay, I have a little more on that. He okay. he races on the Arcus circuit, but he's doing part time on Xfinity. And yeah, he's 18 years old. His first Xfinity race. He's not full time on the Xfinity uh, circuit yet. But he's, he's the third youngest uh, behind Joey Logano and Chase Elliott, who of course yes. had a lot of success. And yeah, know, they, and they're both doing very well in NASCAR. So yeah. right. So, so uh, yeah. So. So he's he's on the on the right track, and uh, you know I I think uh, you know if you're a grandfather, and especially these days the way people look at it, they say, yeah, I guess maybe racing cars isn't as dangerous as playing football because you know <laughs> nowadays with all the safety stuff and they've got in the although Sean and his poll question will bring up a tragic event that happened not long around this time of year in 2001, 20 years ago, but but the point is that. You know, people are so worried about concussions and everything else that goes on with football. So maybe Joe Gibbs is just as happy that uh, he's doing the NASCAR thing, you know? Well, because of the event that Sean is going to talk about, Chris, NASCAR has made so many different improvements now that even when you do get in a wreck in NASCAR these days, you really don't really don't get seriously hurt anymore. So mm -hmm. um, but anyway, on to the Australian Open tennis Um Naomi Osaka is your women's champion. She beat Jennifer Brady, and that's her fourth Grand Slam title. She's won two Australians and two U.S. Opens. And uh, and uh, Serena did much better in this tournament. She's in a lot better shape, lost a lot of weight, played a lot better. And she can pretty much beat any female on the tennis tour now except for Naomi Osaka. She's the only one that has a winning record against Serena. Naomi Osaka has figured out how to play Serena's game, and plus she's a lot younger, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I, I, 21, 22? Uh, Naomi is 23 now, and of course okay, Serena yeah. is 39, and she'll be 40 later on this year. So yeah. I have a feeling if Serena does not win any more Grand Slams, Naomi Osaka will probably be the number one main reason as to why. Well, um, but yeah. she's just behind. She's still in second place, and she's just behind Margaret Court. Serena has 23, and Margaret Court has 24. That's and, correct. And uh, Naomi has four. So she's, yeah. you know, and she's young, of course, but she's on her way. And we always look at this, especially on a day when we're thinking about Tiger, think about right. Grand Slams in these sports, you know, and that's right. kind of one of the ways to know who the all-timers are. So on the men's side, Robert. Uh, well, and the the active women that have the most uh, Grand Slams are Serena and Venus. Venus has seven. So, right. um, but on the men's side, it's very competitive because uh, you have Roger Federer, who didn't play because he underwent surgery. He's supposed to be returning in a few weeks with 20. Rafael Nadal with 20. He played very well in this tournament, but didn't make it to the finals. And uh, Novak Djokovic won his ninth Australian Open and his 18th Grand Slam. And each one of the men, the top three, have their own tournaments, which they own. Djokovic owns Australia, nine out of 18. Uh Nadal has owned Paris. He, he's, he's the king of Paris because he's won 13 French Opens out of his 20 Grand Slams. And Roger Federer has won eight Wimbledons out of his 20 Grand Slams. And the U.S. Open, the three of them, they kind of divide it up. They take turns on who's going to win that when all three of them play. So 
But one thing uh, that needs to be pointed about, out about tennis is you had Rod Laver, and Rod Laver dominated in the 50, late 50s and early 60s and won just about everything. But yeah. he, was, he, had, he turned pro because the Wimbledon and all that was amateur, and if you wanted to make any money at tennis, you eventually had to turn pro. So he did that with maybe four or five of his best. It's like the Ted Williams going to war kind of story. Yeah. He, was, he was doing, went pro for about five years, came back, still won Grand Slams, I think, when he came back. Yeah. But he, he, if he'd been on those, that circuit for the time that he should have been, if, if they, and then they molded it all together about 66, 67, something like that. Right. And made it all one circuit. But right. in those days, yeah. you'd go and you'd play in the pro. As a matter of fact, they used to have the pro tennis come into Boston Garden. I can remember them advertising it on the Celtics. So you'd play, uh, Rod Laver's going to play Pancho Gonzalez, you know. Yeah, kind of right, exactly. And, uh, so somebody like him and maybe a few others, you'd see a whole different list of Grand Slam winners because Rod Laver was dominant in that time. Yes, yes. So anyway, and, so that's my so, tennis and another, about it. Yes. Another, another, like you said, interesting, in the last 15 years, at least two of those three have been ranked one or two. The last person other than those three to be ranked one or two was Andy Murray. As a matter of fact, because of Djokovic winning, and they're not sure what the upcoming tennis schedule is going to be. Uh, if he remains number one uh, on March 8th, he will break the all-time record of being ranked number one for the most consecutive weeks. That would give him 311 weeks, and that would break the record held by Roger Federer, which was 310. So mm -hmm. okay. uh, depending on whether they can play another tournament between now and then, uh, Djokovic may get that record by default, uh, yeah. since they don't know what what their tennis schedule is going to be currently. So, yeah, are they playing? I know, uh, obviously, they're going to try to have the four majors, you know, and and they're still hoping to have. They already had Australia, but the other three, when yeah. they hope to have them. But are they are they, are there as many just regular tournaments? Or are they kind of falling by the way? Uh, they're they're slowly they're falling by the way because Indian Wells is a very big tournament uh, here in California, and that's already been postponed for the second consecutive year. Has um, it been so, postponed or canceled? Uh, well, they they have po last year they postponed it. This year they postponed it. No, no, I'm saying, is it going to happen? Or is it no, not I, going to happen well, at all? See, it that's didn't, ha canceled. It didn't happen. It, well, in the, in the official announcement last year, Chris, they just said it was postponed, but it never did happen. So and I have, a, and right. I have a feeling the same thing will happen this year. Okay. I mean, so, you have sometimes these two-part things, like the marathon is in that spot where yeah, it's been yeah. postponed for now, but it may be canceled when we get closer. Right. You know, we don't know yet. Right. So they, haven't, they haven't put it. But anyway, they, they're really having issues because so many tournaments are played in so many different locations. Yeah. They're trying to find out where they can go and – uh, yeah. Well, what, what is like? the model that the PGA and the NASCAR are using to be able to travel around and, and keep their circuit well, going? PGA, PGA has the different tours. PGA yeah. has the American tour, they have the European tour, and yep. then you have the Pacific tour. And then all the four majors are run by the different, like the U.S. Open is run by the USGA. The British right. Open is run by the Royal British Golf Association. Uh, right. Of course, the Masters is run, you know, it's, Agatha, those are, yeah. not, and yeah. then the PGA Championship is run by PGA International. Right. Then you have the Tour Championship, which is yeah. one of the American well, So what I'm talking about, though, but, okay, so what you're saying is there's much more international play. It's like the IndyCars. It's much yeah. more international than the PGA or NASCAR is. Yeah. Uh, yeah NASCAR yeah. is very, NASCAR is very American. P PGA is in your regions of, your regions of the world, but then, a lot of the players from all three tours, the Australia, the Pacific Tour, the European, and the U.S., all, they'll play 
any one or all of the four majors. Right. Okay. Yeah, and and with tennis, uh, it, it, they've got two major associations, but they all have worldwide events. There, there's tournaments all well, over the place. And well, they, ATP they, is for the men. ATP is for the men, and WTA is for the women. That's correct. Well, and the first so, next May, the next major will be late May, early June, in, in uh, you know the, the French, French Open. That's and the right. one that no, we have no, to sir. watch for. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So, Sean, well, that's finally we got tennis. through all that. Now, Sean, yeah, that's can, the most uh, tennis we've talked on this show, I think. Well, I, and we'll talk about it during each major. So, you know. Yeah, 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 we'll talk. But but even during the majors, we haven't talked this much. Right. Really, but all right. Anyway. All right. Well. All right, first of all, just so you know, our producer has arrived laying here, so then oh, nice the producer. Yeah, nice eighty one degree day. I'm not covered in blankets, son. I'm thawed out and I got the windows open. It's eighty one degrees. It was seven degrees last Tuesday morning, so what a switch. But anyway, all right. First of all, if anybody wants to call in, they can download the Zoom app or dial six four six eight seven six ninety nine twenty three. Enter the code two eight seven. Seven two three forty six hundred. Hit the pound key twice. Star nine. Raise your hand. Alt Y on the computer. The more key on the phone. Star six will unmute you. And Alt A on the computer. I'm not sure on the phone, but you'll you'll figure that out. If you want to contact us anytime during the week, seven seven three five seven two seven seven one five. Hit the pound key. Skip the greeting. Don't mark it private. Eight hundred six nine three zero five nine five. We're still having to use option one. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Okay, that is correct. Or sports lounge at allthingsradio.net. And our poll question, okay, 20 years ago, February 18th, we lost Dale Earnhardt. It was Fox's first race to cover at Daytona. They first, And, of course, we all know what happened with Dale Earnhardt, and we talked how it changed the way NASCAR and their rules. So we're going to talk about those moments that you – or either at you, or you witnessed, you're watching, you're listening to this. Really, just kind of shook you up, like whoa, in sports, you know, just kind of like man, that was just. And it could be a good shakeup or a bad shakeup. Well, I altered it from what I said earlier, but you know, there's some definite tragic moments. You're like, I mean, I already have a few in mind right now, but that I was checking out on radio and television, but mm-hmm. that's our poll question. So, okay. Yeah. Think about that later on and call on in when we get to that question, but we got some baseball coming. Baseball. Everybody how, about, how about this, uh, Chris, we are at uh, 629. Why okay. don't we go ahead and get our break out of the way Yep. and then we'll come back and talk baseball. All right. Hamilton was adopted from a rescue in 2008. He really likes to be around people. I get out my mat and I'm doing a downward dog and he's underneath. He's quite the pug about town. He gets invited to a lot of parties. He knows he's a pretty big deal. Look at this little face. I do not love him. Hamilton the pug, Instagram star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Visit the shelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You do so much to keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
So you see, son, good manners are important. Should I go through it again? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open, don't speak with your mouth full, keep your elbows off the table. Share your things, play nice, and generally treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. And we are back. So okay. uh, we'll, All right. go into the, we'll go into the baseball world. I think the biggest story in the baseball world in the major leagues, we'll get to the colleges in a minute, but uh, in the major leagues is the situation with the Seattle Mariners. Kevin Mather, who is the president of the team, and he's been with them for a long time, um, about 10 years ago had a sexual harassment allegation. They, the team settled that one. Now, this week, apparently, he has made some comments um, basically saying, of course, we manipulate the time, you know, the service time issues with the players. And uh, he said that last year, one of their top prospects was at the alternate site was not coming up under any circumstances, no matter what, even had they had a major COVID outbreak, they were not bringing up their top prospects. And uh, he said the guy won't be up this year until mid-April so that they can get that extra year. And, of course, the MLE players are responding to this, saying we always knew this, and now it's all confirmed. Um, And then Mather went on to say that one of their players uh, didn't speak English at all. Well, I heard a comment from him yesterday on uh, MLB radio, and, I mean, he didn't speak English, you know, the way that I am now, but he spoke decent English, so... Uh, Kevin Mather was fired this morning by the Mariners, and the team owner is going to Arizona to address the team, and uh, hoping that he can help the situation get better. I wonder if this puts something else on the table. Not that they needed things to negotiate, but I'm wondering because right now, for example, was this was on the this was going to be it anyway. Okay, because what I'm thinking is maybe what you need is some kind of a formula, and I don't know how you do this, but some kind of a formula that if there's certain production in the minor leagues that a player, unless you can prove extenuating, almost like an arbitration hearing, you have to prove that he can't become, you know, the Chris Bryant situation is a classic. We know what yes. happened with Chris Bryant because they kept him out for, what, about two weeks, Perry, and then they brought him up? Yeah, about like a that. week and a half. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, we knew that was happening when it was happening. Everybody knew. Uh, Ellis Burks was delayed by a month. You know, everybody knew he had made the team, but they delayed him for a month in 87. Something where you're saying, you know, this is just not – it's not fair. It really isn't. And, you know, so I think there's something that they need to do. But what I was saying about the, the Howie Rose and, and Susan Waldman, they were saying that the problem with this whole DH thing, and they still – it's not totally settled, is that they, the, both sides want to use it as a chip to oh, we're going to have bigger playoffs, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they're using it for their finishing and negotiations for the 21 season and, of course, getting ready for their first war for 22. So this is, this is uh, you know, more labor relations I- issues for the baseball. 
You know, that's the, the players' association. Very much like there will not be a DH this year, unfortunately, no. because I mean I am not a big fan of it, but I've kind of resigned myself that that's that it is what it is, and we're going to have yeah. it. So you what might as well say, do it. What, yeah. What were you going to say, Rick? I was just going to say it just seems like the player association. It even if it's going to benefit them, they don't give anything away unless they right. get something back. That, that, that's right, and uh, you know that's just they're they're they've always been hard nosed. They've been the most hard nosed union of, of the four. And, you know, that's uh, Marvin Miller heritage and Marvin Miller did a lot of good things, but I think sometimes it gets kind of unreasonable. But I anyway, think so, Chris, yeah. um, when uh, Michael Weiner was the leader of the players association, things were a little better. I think he kind of saw the middle of the road that you had to do to make the game better. And now you have Tony Clark and they've hired this hotshot labor negotiating lawyer and, and it's just gotten bad. And I mean, there's a lot of people that are telling you that you better enjoy baseball this year because yeah. it's very likely that there may be a problem going into next year with a strike or a lockout. Yeah, or we may not have a season next year, or if we do, we probably won't recognize it. One of the things that I heard on, on the uh, that show the other day, and I was not aware of this, similar to like, uh, you know, uh, DirecTV and the NFL, apparently baseball's video game was only licensed by one video um, provider. You know, that the, the, you couldn't get it on, like, all the different sources where people get video games, and that's been the case since 2000. I'm not a video expert, so I don't even remember which one it was, whether it's Xbox or whatever. You know, but anyway, now you're supposedly, for the, this year starting, you can now get it on all your video game players, and that should help the popularity because that's the issue. If you, you know, anybody who wanted Madden could get Madden anywhere they wanted. You know, right. if you could play video games. So that was, you know, and, and another thing, about. Chris, uh, that we should probably mention is for those of you who have either MLB TV or game day audio, you probably last year, um, you might've gotten a refund. If you did, then it's going to be 1999 like it normally is. But if you just left it alone and, and, you know, let them do what they're going to do, your price for this year is going to be $7 and some odd cents. So, okay. Just, that's just so that you're aware of that. Do we know if that's going to work with, um, with a serious XM yet? I guess we don't know anything about opening day, but it seems like I've had trouble. I ended up having to listen on serious XM. Obviously no tune ins out of the running anymore, but I had to right. not MLB didn't work uh, for me last year. So I it don't should really work. All right. We'll see if it does when the time comes and I hope it does because the games go a little faster. So, um, for some of the other items, well, unless you want to do the uh, the college, why don't you do the college baseball? Then we'll do the rest of the pro uh, baseball. We had a here. Big Twelve SEC showdown this weekend, and the SEC kind of dominated the the game. Yeah, Ole Miss went three and zero. Arkansas was either three and zero or two and one. I did not happen to hear their score from late last uh, night. It was two and one because they all they all I think as it was. They were, they were two and zero going into yesterday. I think they did win last. I think it was two and one. And then, but in the end, the SEC dominated. So today, the new poll came out. Ole Miss is rated number one, um, and they they say they were three and zero. They played a. Uh, they, they them in Texas had a good game through about the first six innings yesterday, and then Ole Miss pulled away. Yeah. Uh, Sunday they played a one run game. Saturday they had a uh, decent game. But interestingly enough, along with that. Uh, we know the Texas teams travel, but obviously uh, Richard Cross and Brad Henderson for Ole Miss traveled. Um, Ron Polk and Jim Ellis for Mississippi State traveled. And uh, Richard Cross was saying that on Saturday when they took the air, he said this is probably the most expensive venue 
that I've ever done a broadcast from is the uh, yeah, billion they, dollar billion dollar <laughs> Ranger Stadium over yeah, they there. Had, they had setups for all six outlets. Craig Way was explaining it, and they did have fans there. So they, they did about seventeen thousand. Yeah, they had about seventeen thousand, and so it was. A, it was a good. The three Texas teams were all. They were in it. They were all in it. It was their competitive games. They okay. were. And and it was I mean it was a good thing and it was kind of nice to hear fans you know yeah that's that's what I'm looking forward to even easier, reacting to the actual game instead of the white noise you know yeah. even even uh, like I said the other day it sounded like there were some fans in New Orleans there were no fans in Lake uh, Tahoe but uh, no. you know there were fans in New Orleans you know and interestingly enough Chris they actually let uh, on Saturday and I assume they would did Sunday and Monday if they did on Saturday Brad Henderson the analyst for Ole Miss actually got to go down and do a post-game interview with the coach. So, you know. Yeah, we're yeah. actually getting post-game interviews. I, I, and I, and I think now. that's an important thing to bring back because yes. how do you how do you know things when you're not allowed to talk to people? I'm not sure how they're yeah, doing people, it now, but they've got some kind of a setup for now since uh, about the last week for the Celtics to do post-game interviews with, uh, with the players, you know, which is good. They yeah, had, Keith like, Moreland, yeah. They were talking, for example, Tristan, Tristan Thompson didn't know uh, Max and, and Sean at all yet. You know, he'd never met them, you know, so he was kind of like right. talking to them, you know, and, and just because they haven't tr- flown with them and they haven't even talked to them as interviews. What were you going to say, Sean? I was like, yeah, Keith Moreland got to go down and interview David Pierce. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I so, think, and I think in a lot of ways, I, I think in a lot of ways too, though, Sean. I think you know the Texas teams. It tells them where they are. You know, I mean, it it doesn't mean you're at the end of the season here. You're you're you know kind of what you need to work on, and and it tells everybody where they're at. Okay, uh, and I guess are we going on football? Because this. Oh I, no, no, yeah, oh no, 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 far from that. <laughs> we're, we're scratching the surface. We're in the maybe the third inning of baseball. Tim Tebow retired this year. Finally, mm-hmm. uh, he yeah. was in the minors for what about three or four years, I think, with the Mets. Yes, and finally retired. Did he ever play with the Mets? Did he actually no, come up he, and did, play in he the did not. I did not. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he was in tra- he was in training camp a lot because I heard at bats of yeah. his when I was listening to Mets yeah. game. Uh, the big signing of the week was Fernando Tatis, his 14-year, 340 million dollar extension. So he's 23 years old. So it's, you know that's not a bad deal for the for the Padres. It'll go and, into 2034. Yep. Right, and mm-hmm. so he, he, the average life of the he got a 10 million dollar signing bonus, and I guess he's going to get about 24 million a year for the average of the con- contract. And so that's that's good. And you know they're they're trying to they're really spending money. I mean, some other owner will buy this team and say, "What the heck?" Well, you know, <laughs> but right. they really are going nuts. The Padres and the and the Dodgers are going to be the real big teams uh, in the next. Another West. piece to that contract, Chris. Um, he took out a loan when he was in the minor leagues. It was a company owned by ex uh, pitcher Michael Schwimmer, and uh, basically what it it said was that. They get uh, a percentage of his future earnings. So they're going to they're going to out of him. all of this. Schwimmer hmm. is going to make about three and a half million out of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I heard I, another part to that story, Perry. I heard that um, he's going to wind up paying people thirty million dollars because he took out these loans like when he was eighteen. So, well, and uh, part of the reason for that is when you're in the minor leagues. Um, and they're fixing it now, but I mean, the minor league players have over the years have not been heavily paid. Right. So, um, yeah. he probably felt that he needed to take out those loans to live. But what this company does is they bet on players 
MLB players primarily. And what they do is they'll, they'll give you a loan, and if you make it, they get paid back. If you don't, they don't. So, I mean, this, this, this Michael Schwimmer took a, took a chance right that Fernando Tatis would hit it big and of course he did now i'm sure there are other players that he that he loans to that right. don't hit it big right mm-hmm. So, Robert, you had a couple of signings. The A's are actually going to have some baseball players, I guess, this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, today they signed Mitch Moreland. Um, oh, did they? Oh, took our guy. Oh, well, yeah. he's a good player here. Um, okay. uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. Oh, they signed uh, uh, Sergio Romo. Sergio Romo, the former Giant, because uh-huh. he picked for the Twins last year. Uh-huh. And I think they signed one more. And I'm trying Trevor to Rosenthal. Oh, that, that did. Trevor Rose, yeah, the former yeah. closer. So uh, we'll, uh-huh. we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, yeah. okay. That but should, be, Moreland, that should be good. a nice. That should be a nice signing, though, Robert. Trevor Rosenthal had a good year last year. Yeah, well, well, I'm surprised that the A's were able to get him if he had a good enough year because normally people don't want to come to Oakland unless they have no choice. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. funny for Mitch Moreland because I mean he can he can still hit and uh, you know he I forget whether Red Sox traded him you know near the San end of the Diego. Year. was it San, San Diego? Diego okay I was going to yeah. say San Diego but I wasn't sure yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm, maybe there just wasn't room uh, in their roster because that'd be a a cooler place to play with the way they're spending money but maybe he figures he'll get more playing time the one thing you have to watch with him is he he tends to get injured yeah uh, but he well but he's apparently a good apparently he's going to take over the DH role that Chris Davis had. So, oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. so that'll, that'll be good. Uh, Taiwan, and he's not an expensive okay. sign either. No, 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 he wouldn't be. But no, no, they did a lot of, you know, helped the Red Sox in 18 and, the, you know, a big part of that team. Taiwan Walker for two years for $20 million from the Mets. Yep. Uh, he, he had uh, 11 starts last year uh, with, uh, I guess he was with Toronto. He went four and three. Yep. And I guess he was uh, with Seattle, too. Yeah, and, and he was a very good pitcher with Seattle. So. And the big baseball story around here, because we're not going to talk about the Red Sox actually going to training camp and people <laughs> being there. We would rather talk about Red Sox from 15 years ago, like Johnny Damon, uh, who uh, went uh, had a DUI in Florida and his wife. Uh, got all violent with the police and everything yeah. else, and and uh, so forth. So uh, you know, I don't know yeah, that people would rather talk about that than they would uh, the, the the Red Sox that are actually still well, around for here. Big national story too. That DUI. Yeah. Well, he played everywhere. That's part yeah. of it. You know. Well, He's yeah, he played. He played team. all over the place. Yeah. Right. But um, I mean, that's you know one of those things. Uh, Ian Desmond of Colorado is opting out for the uh, for the virus this year. Now, what's the straight year he's done that? What's the rule on that, uh, Perry? This year, as far as uh, uh, last year, did he get paid? Uh, you, this year, if you opt paid? out, you're opting out. You don't get paid or service time or anything. Right. Okay. Yep. So you did last year, but not this year. Right. No, well, I don't know. Whatever. Hey, Tukaras came back here, so you know yeah. who lopped that out. Yeah. So I and, he, and well. Desmond did say he would keep an eye on the situation. Yeah. You know, maybe. But yeah. I don't think the Rockies probably are going to be anything. So. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I, I bet you. I bet you. He looked at that and, oh, do I really want to go to Colorado? <laughs> you know. But the problem is, yeah. if he doesn't get credit for the service time, they hold his rights if he comes back. I, right? I know. Yep. I know how that yep. works. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, Kevin Pillar has signed a, deal, a one-year deal with the Mets. I don't know if you have oh, that, good. Chris. But uh, yeah. no, I didn't. But that's good because again, another another former. Right, briefly with the Red Sox, I like Kevin Pillar, where he's been, Toronto and here and everything. San Francisco. I think he's a good player. And, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. San Francisco. Yeah. No, been a good player for people. I mean, uh, uh, so I think that's a good deal for the Mets. So yeah. we, now we are going to the NFL, and we had a big. Okay, before finally, we get to the NFL, hold on. Before we get to the NFL, not much. 
Uh, you know, not much new updates on the press conference, just saying the surgery is going okay. They think they don't know how long the recovery, but he was the hotel that Tiger Woods was staying at was where they were doing the TV shoot that he was doing some TV show. And he was running late for a meeting with Drew Brees. And he seemed agitated. Some of the crew members were saying as he left, like, you delayed me, you know, and, and they were confirming, yes, he almost, you know, based on what Rick said about the director, he almost uh, ran into him. But, yeah, he was, he was going to a meeting with Drew Brees. So that does tie into football. Okay. Yeah, Maybe Drew Brees is going to become a golfer. <laughs> okay, so the NFL. So we finally had our trade. Uh, Philadelphia sent Carson Wentz to the Colts for uh, t- a third-round pick in 2021, and then 22, either a second or a first. If you play 75% of the snaps, they'll get a first-round pick. Otherwise, it'll be a, a second-round pick. Or, or, uh, or if he plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs, it yeah. becomes a first-round dead, dead on right, right, Robert. Okay, so there's $33 million of dead money for the Eagles because they made the trade. I, you know, they weren't going to get out of it no matter how they did it or when they did it, but yeah. that's what that's the dead money that they have when, of course, the cap is going down. So uh, they're, they're in sour, sour cap hell or whatever at this point. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia is going uh, – and Giant fans rejoice because <laughs> the Eagles are going to be terrible because of that. And this, yeah. the story's coming out now that Wentz and Peterson didn't talk to each other for like since the beginning of the season. Yeah, they, they no, did no. not they did not speak did to not one like another at all. Yeah. Okay, so we have a couple of other NFL items. But now, before we, we get, get to that, uh, Chris, yeah. uh, Bill, Bill, you're a Colts fan. Well, at first I thought Carson Wentz. Oh, I don't know, but but I think. I think Chris Ballard was probably did the right thing because he didn't see the available quarterbacks out there as going to be a better option. You know, people like Sam Darnold or if he if he does become available, and likely he will, or the guy from the Bears, Travitsky, or um, Cam Newton, or Bridgewater from. Carolina. So it was just one of those types of things where if you didn't have anybody, you couldn't move up in the draft really um, without mortgaging your whole draft for two or three years just to get a quarterback that might pan out and might not, especially and once you get... And I would bet the cost for Watson was going to be pretty high. Oh, and yeah. Well, and they're not going yeah. to trade with him. They don't Watson. have what it takes to get Watson. Yeah. No. And uh, besides, I, I've heard rumors about what what, uh, what Carolina is offering for Watson. and huh. Oh, I've heard Denver and Miami are the two big teams yeah. that they're looking at no, now. Carolina's the biggest. Carolina yeah. is like the one that's really got the... They oh, did, yeah. Uh, according to Peter King. No, I didn't say anything else. I was just going to say, we'll just time, time will tell. But it was either that, or you got Jacoby Brissett back again, and yeah. and even well, cars. <laughs> my concern about Wentz is, is the biggest concern of all. I mean, I obviously don't want Cam Newton back. We already saw that act. But the yeah. next one I wouldn't want is is um, is uh, Wentz because. I have had him in fantasy football, and you know when you when you have these players, you really know what's going on. And I had him when he was still yep. pretty good, but he has fallen off. I mean, people talk about yep. golf and how golf isn't that good. I'd rather be, and I, I don't like the Lions. I, if I were if I were um, the Colts, I would have tried to get Goff before I tried to get Wentz because 
the Lions aren't going to do anything with Goff because the Lions aren't going to do anything because they have a goofy coach and it's going to be a weird team. But I think Goff... You Goff know, is going to be a hit all over the place. You know, I think uh, he's going to be hit and he's in Detroit. He's going would have done better in Indianapolis. They, you know, I, they went a little early here. Uh, you don't know what people are going to want for not not so much that they'd be in on Watson, but what what about Garoppolo? What about you know some of these other guys, Bridgewater, like you say? I really don't have any faith in Wentz now. Maybe. Uh, getting with a different coaching staff, and I with understand. Frank well, that's that's it. He's reuniting with Frank Reich. Yeah. Who, who now, was, remember you know, Frank Reich. When Wentz yeah. was good, that was his quarterback right. coach. Right. Yeah, that was his quarter, offensive coordinator, yeah. quarterback coach. Yeah. So I think he made more sense to the Colts than he did to some other teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that, that, that could work. And because Frank so. Reich can work miracles with miracles with quarterback. And speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, he apparently has deleted the Carolina Panthers from his Instagram and Twitter yeah, he's and not everything. Happy. So he's <laughs> okay. not happy at all. No. Hey, do they want yeah. Cam Newton back? We can. <laughs> well, from, from, what I, from what I'm hearing now, I, I don't know how accurate this is, but Carolina is supposedly offering the three number one draft picks. And Christian McCaffrey, yeah, for and Watson. another player, and uh, probably and, and also probably six. and probably yes. Bridgewater too, because you know no, who knows? It was seven players. It was seven players: Bridgewater, McCaffrey, three draft picks, and I can't remember who the other two players were, but it was seven for one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Bill. No, I didn't say anything. Okay. okay, so a couple more notes, and then Bill can uh, run down some of the stuff. If he's got stuff in the athletic, he wants to tell us about it for the NFL. But Zach Streif is no longer going to be the voice of the Saints on radio. He's going to be a coach. I don't know what which position he's going to coach, but he's going to coach. He did a good job, I guess, as a Saints voice, but we'll, hopefully they'll get a, a real professional in there. You know, he learned as he went along. He got better, but, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get a professional announcer in there, and uh, we'll yep. see how he does as a coach. And uh, Mike Tomlin is the latest person in the league with the uh, coronavirus. Yeah. He's apparently doing okay, but yep. uh, he does have it. So there you go. So, Bill, do you have any NFL nuggets for us? Well, not really, except for who uh, this was in the athletic top quarterbacks or top draft choices or trades in the first round. Who do you think the second quarterback? I mean, we know Trevor Lawrence. Who do you think's going uh, to go? There's a guy named Wilson. I don't know Wilson. Wilson. Trent Wilson. I would bet it would. I'll bet it would be Justin yeah. Fields. Oh, really? it's either Justin Fields from Ohio Zach, State or Zach Wilson. From Zach BYU. Wilson. I'm hearing Zach Wilson yeah. is jumping way up. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. And so there. What are the what? Okay, what what is New England going to do in the first round? Are they going to go quarterback, or are they going to get a one of these veteran retread quarterbacks? Well, people people are thinking. See, one of the problems that they were, I was listening to um, Sports Hub yesterday and uh, Zolak and and uh, the Beatle there, and they seem to be thinking that the problem with the San Francisco is the way their thing is structured. They don't even have to trade Garoppolo right away. They don't need to trade him at any particular time. So the Patriots, they could wait for Garoppolo, and everybody else might be off the board, and then the 49ers still may not get rid of him. So they kind of don't want to do that. They think that Belichick may be aggressive and move up and try to get somebody. Or talk one of the rumors that people wouldn't believe it, and I don't know if I do, about trading with the Jets to get Darnold. You know, I don't think so. I don't think, so. I, I don't think that'll work because I don't see the Jets and the Patriots ever making a deal together. No. So I don't either. So, I got a feeling they they're going to end up with Mariota. Yeah, they're yeah. talking about yeah. that too. Yeah. Well, that is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. A possibility. Yeah. Top running back in the first round. 
Uh, Isn't there a guy at Alabama? There's always a guy at Alabama. There's always a guy at Alabama, but... There's a guy in Florida that's pretty good, too, yeah. I know there's a wide receiver, Smith, that's great. In Alabama. Yeah. 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 So they had a real good running back, too. So, uh, you know, it's probably somebody from there. But Alabama yeah, really always has I mean, a we, problem. I haven't heard much about the draft. You know, this time of year, you, you kind of don't. Especially no, now, you, you, you without will the later. Combines, without the combines, it kind of slows things down about talking about it, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get you more draft news. Yeah. yeah. What did you say, Bill? I said, we'll get you more draft news. Uh, because there's, yeah. everybody's got draft 5.0 yeah. and, you know, yeah. these change yeah. and trades. They're gonna and, be ha- yeah, they're going to be having their pro day since normally the combine will be around the first week of March now, the way they're doing it. But they're all going to start having their pro days, and you'll start hearing more. And Kuiper, Mel Kuiper will have more things to say as we get Yeah, you'll have Mel, Mel Kuiper and Todd McShay and people yeah, like that. Yeah, the draft is the last week in April, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't remember, I know it's that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday again. I can't remember the exact. I forget where it's going to be, too. Uh, um, yeah, and Cleveland this year. Yeah. It'll be in yeah. Cleveland. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is okay. in Cleveland. So, oh, okay. one other little nugget out here. With this trade with uh, Carson Wentz, right now, Dak Prescott is the only quarterback from the 2016 draft in his uh, original team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have one little thing I just wanted to mention, that, and I meant to do it last week and I forgot. But um, uh, Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford, when he got traded, I guess just a little while afterwards, he did an um, interview with a Detroit newspaper man. And he was saying how he, you know, he, he the trade was mutual. That, you know, he wanted to go, but he really loved Detroit. And, uh-huh. and, and to back it up, he gave the Detroit school system a million dollars. So I think it's, you know, we say we hear so many bad things about athletes. I think it's nice to bring up something well, when they do something right. It's, it's like J.J. He's like, it's like J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt loves Houston, but he was like, yeah. this organization is in such turmoil. Yeah, you can't yeah, blame him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By he the way, speaking of, speaking of J.J. Watt, it sounds like he will be headed possibly to the Steelers. Yeah, oh, that's and, what it looks like. Steelers yep. are and and they're gonna, and Ren Roethlisberger is even saying he wants to nego- possibly nego- renego- He can renegotiate to help with the salary cap to come back. And yeah, so he okay. will be back. Oh, that's yeah. what the thing that came across Twitter. I guess his agent said it. How he's going to do it, I don't know because he's hitting a forty-one million dollar hit against their cap. They owe him, and so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Ben has to renegotiate that because yeah. otherwise the Steelers are going to have to release him. Speaking of Steelers, Mike Tomlin tested positive for yeah, COVID. Yeah, we said that. Yeah, yeah we I talked. Did. Oh, yeah, you did. No, I missed that. Yeah, I was getting the Tigers stuff. Okay. All right. So the NBA. Let's move on to the NBA. And okay. Why don't college, we do the stand- I, I can't report on college. I can't remember if we mentioned this last week that they are going to have 25% fans at the uh, – No, we, you can say that now. You can uh, – yeah, we're, yeah. We're not, that is not privileged information. You may say that. Yeah. I All couldn't right, remember if I said it last week or not. No, it came, it came out – the David USF came out with it this week that it was 25% of the fans for the men's tournament in the various venues yeah. in Indiana and 16%. So I assume the Sweet 16 up, and he said from the Sweet 16 for the women in San Antonio, but I guess what's happening is, are they playing the Sweet the, uh, for early rounds on college campuses like they usually do? Okay, what they're going to do, the, all right, they're going to do the the early rounds they're using 
University of Texas here in Austin for some early rounds. They're using Texas State in San Marcos, which is between San Antonio and Austin. They're using University of Texas San Antonio, the Convocation Center, and they're using St. Mary's University, which I didn't realize. I thought St. Mary's was a Division II school, but I guess they might have moved up because they've been Division II forever. But they might, and then they'll go into the Alamo Dome from the Sweet 16 on. So they're using those arenas. They all, and in the second round, you know, they're going to also use the Alamo Dome for some early bit. We had heard we had heard too that um, about these conference tournaments that a lot of teams would be opting out. It does not sound like that's going to happen. It sounds like most of no. them plan to go. It sounds like some we'll say that um, Iowa was a number five seed and it didn't seem like they could do much to move. They may decide it doesn't mean anything to them, but the numbers that I have heard of teams who may do it are going to be much lower than 10. And the okay. Big 12 released schedules for those makeup games for the teams. They're not like Baylor's not going to make up all six games. They're not going to be, but they, they've they already put out like Texas has three games next week because their season technically would have ended this week and they had a week off for, so like they're going to be going with Oklahoma, Iowa State, and TCU all on the road. Baylor's got, I forgot who Baylor has, you know, but they're all, they're working those in. They're trying to give everybody three games next week to make up, and then they're going to go to Kansas City and still do the tournament because right now the Big 12 has seven in, possibly eight, depending on how TCU. TCU is a bubble team. Other conferences are doing very similar because of those. They do not want to have to pay ESPN or Fox or CBS or whoever has all their tournaments. Yeah. They don't want to have to pay them back. These right, right. I can tell you, Sean, who one of the teams out of the Big 12 who is not going anywhere. I can tell you that Iowa State will be one that is not going anywhere. Yeah, Iowa State and Kansas State are not. Those two definitely are not. BC's not neither. And, <laughs> and it now sounds like that uh, Steve Prohm, uh, maybe not this year, but he better do something next year because it sounds like if he doesn't, he's in trouble in Ames. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And I think oh. they're protecting Baylor a little bit because, you know, they, the NCAA wants – they want that – it's what the first time since '76, I think, that you had two un- that you could have two undefeated teams going into the tournament with Indiana and Rutgers or something like that, and with Baylor and Gonzaga going in there. Uh huh. Right. Chris, we'll give you a chance to catch your breath for a second. Jerry, if you want to unmute yourself, we can hear you. All right, Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Okay, here we are. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, quite exciting. Uh, kind of backtracking a little bit. Um, Go ahead. Baseball news. Um, the uh, Pirates, uh, I, I don't understand this, but the Todd Frazier is going to be playing for him. That is uh, correct. He's a be- minor, minor league deal. Yeah, minor league deal, but they 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 anticipate they're going to be trading him after a while. You know, they don't. Uh, the local media doesn't seem to think he's going to last the whole season. So why would they uh, sign him? And uh, well, because they could because what they think Jerry what they think Jerry is, they can sign him now and then trade him in July and maybe get a prospect or two right. back. Ah, okay. The A's are notorious for that kind of move. Yeah, the Pirates are doing it this year. Okay. Right. Uh huh. Anything else? Yeah, no. I got. I got a quick thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, Duke. We all consider Duke basketball to be one of the elite programs in the country. Right. Um, I heard some stats today that were amazing. Do you know that since 1980, Duke has had 72 players drafted into the NBA, 43 first rounders, and 29 lottery picks. And now all those players, there's only five players that have been on a 
NBA championship team. Wow. Wow. Like, correct. That's yeah, correct. Like Danny Ferry, Shane Battier, uh, Quinn Cook, Dante Jones was only he, – he, he was on Cleveland but played one game that year when they won the championship. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and Kyrie Irving. That's the only yep. ones. Wow. Yeah, because Christian Lakener never was. He wasn't. No. Uh, it was well, we better get rid of Jason Tatum then. And, and Grant Hill played Grant all Hill, those yeah. years. And he played yeah, all Grant those years. Never, never, you know, so – yeah, that's the one. Yeah. There we go. Okay. One. All right. So the NBA. So I got the standings. Good transition, Rick. Good job. Yeah. Very way to go, Rick. Right. And so we got the standings. Then we'll do the schedule for the next couple of days. And then we've got some news and notes after yep. that. So mm-hmm. in the East, what you've now got is the, there's a big three in the East. They've kind of pulled away a little bit as much as people are going to pull away in a 72-game season. But anyway, Philadelphia is a 20-11, and 11, Brooklyn 20-12, and 12, and Milwaukee 18-13. and 13. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like much of a gap till you get to Indiana, but it's 15 and 14. So to me, that's kind of because you look at what happens from like four through 11 here, Indiana, 15 and 14, Toronto, 16 and 15, Celtics are 15 and 15. The Knicks are 15 and 16. Chicago is 14 and 16. Charlotte, 14 and 16. Miami, 14 and 17. And Atlanta, 13 and 17. So I didn't do the math, but that's like about eight teams within two and a half games or something like that. Oh, and Orlando's 13 and 18. Let's not leave them out. Right. And and Washington has actually improved a little bit. They're 11 and 17. So they got ahead of Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is now 10 and 21. And, um, uh, Detroit is eight and twenty-two. So Cleveland, Detroit. So looking at the the playoffs right now, the uh, we have Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, uh, Indiana, Toronto, and the Celtics. And then the play-in teams would be the Knicks, uh, Chicago, Charlotte, and Miami. And then right behind them, Atlanta and Orlando, and maybe maybe you could even say Washington now. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing is you know about ten teams in three and a half games or something. But there's a slight uh, upgrade when you get to Philadelphia. Uh, Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. So that's the way the East looks. In the West, Utah still rolling at 25 and 6. The, the Clippers are 22 and 10, and the Lakers are 22 and 10. Then we have Phoenix at 20 and 10, Portland at 18 and 12, San Antonio at 16 and 11, Denver in 7 to 6, 16 and 14, Golden State at 16 and 15. That's the uh, top eight. Dallas, 14 and 15, Memphis, 13 and 14. And then uh, New Orleans, 13 and 17, uh, Sacramento, 12 and 18, Oklahoma City, 12 and 19, Houston, 11 and 18, and Minnesota, 7 and 24, which is why they fired their coach. We'll get to that in a little while. Yeah. But the, so the, your top six are Utah, Lakers, Clippers, uh, Phoenix, Portland, and San Antonio. Your playing teams are Denver right now, Golden State, Dallas, and Memphis. So that's, that's the way that works. And then uh, I will – just grab the schedule over here. Just take a second, and we'll do um, tonight's and tomorrow night's games in the NBA. And anybody can chime in about postponements or things that are actually happening because, you know, this is all uh, subject to change without without notice here. And let's see. So we got um, tonight. We have Atlanta at Cleveland, 7 p.m., uh, Detroit at Orlando, 7 p.m., uh, Sacramento at Brooklyn, 7.30 p.m., with those – uh, no fans. Uh, it's close, though. They're banging on the door. They're going to be in there. 300 fans. 300. In Brooklyn? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were, oh, that's right. They, they are going to have the 300 yeah. fans. Golden State at the Knicks, 730 p.m. with their uh, 2,000 2000. 2,000. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Philadelphia, Toronto, 730 p.m. Uh, we have the Celtics at Dallas, 730 p.m. That's on TNT. Minnesota at Milwaukee, 8 p.m. We have Portland at Denver, 10 p.m. 
And let's see. That's that on TNT. Is on TNT. And, and that's yeah, on, on TNT. Yeah. Different page. They shouldn't. There should be a law against that. Uh, Washington at the Clippers, 10 p.m. And then on Wednesday, we have Golden State in, at Indiana, 7 p.m. Uh, the Celtics are at Atlanta, 7.30 p.m. Bit of a trip for a back-to-back. Well, they have to go to Milwaukee sometimes from here on a Friday night to Milwaukee. So, uh, But they have to change time zones. So, you know, whatever. Uh, Houston at Cleveland, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Toronto at Miami, 7.30 p.m. That's an ESPN game. Minnesota at Chicago, 8 p.m. Uh, we have Detroit at uh, New Orleans, 8 p.m. San Antonio at Oklahoma City, 8 p.m. Charlotte at Phoenix, That'll be the 9 first. Okay, go ahead. So that'll be the first game back, San Antonio. After the okay. Game. All right. Uh, and Sean, I mean, Robert keeps on on our groups, keeps talking about a rodeo trip. Is there really a rodeo that is yeah, happening? Uh, no, but it was. they weren't sure if the rodeo was going to happen when they were doing the schedule. Yeah. Because, but the rodeo was postponed this year or canceled this year. They had it last year. It was one of the last events before everything shut yeah. down. But they kept the ro- Normally, they do the rodeo road trip because they're using the rodeo, the arena, for about two and a half weeks. So yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, they're going to have to be away for a while for the uh, the NCAA, too. So, yeah. uh, got a uh, No, they're not schedule. using AT&T Center. They're not using no. AT&T. Oh, they're not. Okay, then. No. Uh, Char- Charlotte at Phoenix, 9 p.m. Uh, Lakers at Utah, 10 p.m. That's a good game on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And that's it for uh, tonight and tomorrow night. And so NBA News, uh, Robert, you said something about Boogie Cousins again? What do we got? Uh, yeah, uh, DeMarcus Cousins has been released by the Rockets. Uh, so if he clears waivers, he can sign with anybody he wants. Uh, and the same situation for guard Quinn Cook of the Los Angeles Lakers. So Okay. Yeah. So uh, there you go. So let's see. I think we had some other news. And also news. We, have, we have a Chris, coaching change. Yeah. Yes, we do. Chris Finch. Ryan Finch. Saunders, the Finch. son, Finch. Finch. I said, Finch. but Ryan Saunders, the, who took over for his dad, Flip, for Minnesota after Flip passed away, uh, Ryan was fired by the Timberwolves, and Chris Finch is in as the new head coach, not interim. He is a it is a multi year deal. Don't know a lot about him. Where all he coached? Yeah, well, I know he's he a on the, hold, hold on. He's an assistant okay. on the, with uh, Toronto is where he came from. Yeah, that's and apparently okay. the GM of the Timberwolves has worked with him in the past, and that's why he got him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so Anthony Davis will be out another a couple of weeks till after the All Star break. Was still with that strained calf. Yeah. Uh, LeBron uh, the other night went over 35,000 points, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar leads in scoring with 38,387, and Karl Malone with 36,928. So now LeBron's in third place. Well, he was for a while, but he's um, you know now in a position to uh, move up in, in the you know in the next few years. So we'll see how long he lasts and right. you know whatever. Uh, so the twi- the uh, Timberwolves, by the way, were seven and twenty-four, as we pointed out after that for that firing. Yeah, uh, let's see, and uh, let's see. I think that's it for the well, NBA. Albert Hall signed a deal to go play over in Barcelona. In Spain, yeah. So okay. Uh, all right. So I guess we can go to the NHL now, and yeah. we'll do the standings. In the East, we have the Bruins with twenty-four, Washington twenty-one, Islanders twenty-one, Philadelphia with nineteen. Pittsburgh also has 19. So the four play playoff spots would be the Bruins, Washington, Islanders, Philadelphia, or Pittsburgh at this point. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bit of a drop off. And again, uh, you know, it's a shorter season. So when you see a drop off here, it can be. It also can mean that your team got messed up by the virus and yeah, you like have Buffalo. a bunch of games to play yeah. like yeah. Buffalo. <laughs> but the Rangers have 15. 
New Jersey 14, that's another team that was, and Buffalo 12. But yeah. I, I think those five teams, I think four of those five teams are going to probably make it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my I guess. do too. Yep. In the north of the Canadian division, Toronto with 30 points. The Maple Leafs, wow. you know, yeah. this will be the year they call off the whole – Toronto can't get a break. They'll call off everything. <laughs> you know. Edmonton with 24, Winnipeg 23, Montreal 21, Calgary 19, Vancouver 18, and Ottawa 11. So basically in, in the Canadian division, it's, you know, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal would be in right now. Calgary right behind and Vancouver not far behind either. Uh, right. Ottawa is basically out of it. They're, they're done. Yep. In the Central Division, we have Florida with 25. Again, the battle continues. Florida with 26, Carolina 25, Tampa Bay 23, Chicago 22. They'd be your playoff teams. Columbus with 20, Dallas 14. And again, games to make up, I'm sure. Yeah, Dallas got affected by the virus, so yeah. Nashville 14, Dallas 14, and Detroit 13. If Detroit's not careful, they'll get out of last place. (laughs) They better watch out. Anyway, and in the West... We had a big mover, and uh, I don't know if you noticed. Well, I'll tell you about it, Robert, when we get there. Vegas with 23, St. Louis 22, Colorado 19. The Kings are now at 19. They're in fourth place, Robert. Yeah, they've done done really well, and they're they're really not supposed to be doing really well. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and Arizona's also got 19. So the playoff teams right now will be Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, the Kings, and then Arizona's got 19 as well. Right. And then we have um, Minnesota with 18. They're right there. San Antonio, uh, San Jose, I should say, with 16, and Anaheim with 15. So actually, We're, nobody's really out of it in that division. No, they're not. For tonight, uh, we got the games at 7 o'clock. We have Chicago at Columbus, Pittsburgh at Washington. Pittsburgh and Washington play every day anyway. <laughs> uh, and they're Buffalo. always on TV, national TV. Yeah, they yeah. are, yes. Buffalo yeah, at New Jersey, the two of the COVID teams uh, <laughs> meeting. Yep. Uh, Montreal at Ottawa. At 7.30, we have Nashville at Detroit. And at 10, we have Edmonton at Vancouver. And we had a milestone, Robert, with Sidney, Car- Sidney Crosby. Uh, you know, I, I thought he'd already accomplished this because he's been in the league for so long, but he's missed so much time uh, with injury. Finally, on Saturday night, Sidney Crosby finally played his 1,000th NHL game. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and, uh, he's, he's probably missed a, about 500 games. It seems like yeah. 500. He's been around. Well, he came and he got drafted right after the strike. So that was, what, 2005? 2005, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not my For 15 years, you know, you should have played almost twice as many. Or 1,200 yeah, games but anyway. he's, been, he's missed so much time because of injury. I, I was I was absolutely shocked when I when I heard yeah, that the other too, day. Yeah, me too, when you said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's so, that's amazing. Yeah. So I think that's probably a, I don't think we have anything else for hockey. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. Well, what okay. about this? Have you heard about this or what's it, or Terry Pananen on the Rangers? Um, oh, our, our Terry. Uh, yeah, I, you're you're close, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I heard that he got there's something about a sexual assault, but I don't know any of the details. Well, the thing is, he's been accused. Of, of attacking an 18-year-old girl back in Russia a few years back. But what everybody is saying is that he gave an interview in 2019 when he was still at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. Coming out as one of the few Russian players in the NHL and actually criticizing Russia and criticizing Putin and saying how he was amazed that he was in Columbus and that Columbus wasn't even one of the top 10 cities in the United States, but but it was so beautiful and that the taxes in the United States, some of them actually stayed in the local area where in Russia, everything goes to Moscow. And 
what they're saying now is that they think this this allegation in Russia is is a newspaper guy working pretty much for Putin, and Panamin, however you say it, is taking the next two weeks off to try to straighten out because he's actually concerned about the safety of his family back in Russia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you were able to straighten that up because I heard that yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself. Why in the world would anybody be doing something so stupid, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, well, yeah thank you for that. It's good to hear, you know, and of course, they, these guys are so happy to get out of there. I'm sure they're not saying a whole lot, but uh, yeah. some of them, I'm sure, feel the same way. Yeah. So, OK, so, Robert, you had a boxing thing you wanted to tell us and then we can go. Yeah. to the Well, I, I, I didn't expect to talk boxing this week, but we had the fight of the year early so far for 2021. Um, Miguel Perchelt and Oscar Valdez fought for uh, Miguel Perchelt's WBC 130-pound title. And let me give you the background. Uh, Perchelt had, had made seven successful title defenses and pretty much have dominated the 130-pound division. Valdez... Uh, fought at 126 and had six successful title defenses when he, uh, with his title. Well, he could no longer make 126, so he decided to move up to 130, uh, which is which is what boxers do. So he gave up his title at 126. Well, these guys are best friends apparently, and he and because Burchell had already fulfilled his mandatory, champions are allowed to to do what they call voluntary defenses. So he reached out to his friend and he said, well, hey, I'm going to help you out, welcome you to the division and give you a title shot, you know. And, well, sometimes it's not a good idea to help out your friends because uh, Oscar Valdez went into the ring on Saturday night in Vegas and pretty much beat up his best friend, uh, knocked him down three times and knocked him unconscious finally in the 10th round and won the WBC 130-pound title, and a lot of the boxing experts were shocked by that because, you know, Valdez coming up in weight, being the smaller guy, and uh, and uh, Prichelt actually came in to the ring on fight night actually weighing 147 pounds. So they didn't think Valdez, being smaller, would have that much power and be able to do much damage. Well, he ended up, he ended up putting his best friend in the hospital I'm happy to report everything came out fine. He uh, he uh, was able to walk out of the ring after the doctors checked him out and went to the hospital. had had all the tests and and uh, now he's home and uh, doing fine. And they're both from Mexico. And but uh, it turned out to be so far the early ca- candidate for fight of the year for 2021. So that was a nice surprise. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So I think it's time for the poll question. All right, and the poll question, once again, you can call in, download the Zoom app or dial 646-876-9923, and then do the code 287-723-4600, hit the pound key twice, star nine, raise in your hand. Uh, you can, we're going to, we're asking about, in honor of the unfortunate tragedy that went on 20 years ago with Dale Earnhardt at Daytona, February 18th, what are some of the biggest 
like I'm just moments that really kind of just shook you up in the sports that like you you witnessed you were there either live or watching or listening or some of the biggest moments for you so we're going to start with uh, Chris. Okay, well, I'm going to skip Tony Canigliaro. I'm going to leave that for Rick because uh, for reasons you'll you'll find out later because he was actually there and I heard it on the air and we're going to talk about Tony Canigliaro later in another contact. So there's that and I think that people are pretty familiar with that story but, you know, you'll also uh, see different things. You know, you, you, you think about different pitchers hitting uh, hitters and stuff like that. Paul Shaw was a great hitter, uh, really, well, good hitter and good player for Kansas, uh, no, the Angels. He ended up on Kansas City because the Angels let him go. Jose in a, in a double header, and this was a weird thing. There'd been a bunch of rainouts. This is a double header on like a late Thursday morning, early Thursday afternoon after the Ken- Bobby Kennedy assassination. The next week, Paul Shaw hit Jose Santiago. On, uh, I mean, Jose Santiago hit Paul Shaw. <laughs> And I remember it got really quiet. I don't think he played the rest of the year. And then he was never, he was a good player the first two or three years of his career. And he never came back the way he had, had been expected to. Um, uh, what was his name? Tatum. Um, I can't think of his first name. The pitcher for the uh, Angel hit uh, Paul Blair. And he Jarvis never pitched. Tatum. Jar- uh, Jarvis was the, I thought, Ken Tatum. Ken Tatum. Ken Tatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jarvis. We had two Tatums. We had, yeah, we, we love were cornering Tatum. the bucket on Tatum. We've had, we've had two Celtics Tatums in history, and we've got two uh, Red Sox Tatums. But anyway, Ken Tatum, who was supposed to be a really good relief pitcher, and he was up to that time. He hit Paul Blair, and Paul Blair came back okay for the Orioles in 69, but Tatum never pitched inside again. It ruined him as a pitcher. He got he got a gun shy about that. Rick and I were at a, a doubleheader in 1975. Dick Pohl was pitching for the Red Sox, and Tony Muser, a former Red Sox player, hit a ball for Baltimore playing by, by that time. Hit a ball, and it hit uh, Pohl, I forget where. but was, Right between know, the eyes. Pretty right much. behind. I knocked yeah. him down. We had about a 10-15 minute delay on the field. It was totally quiet. It was amazing. You know, to be sitting in a, a ballpark with 33,000 people and have it totally quiet. And Dick Paul was never the same. And he, you know, never pitched that well after that. And so, you know, we had the collapse of Reggie Lewis on the court yeah. in 1993, the oh, first playoff yeah. game. And, uh, you know, of course, he was out for the rest of the series that they lost to Charlotte. And then, um, of course, died in August, you know, at a or late July at a pickup game at BU. And, uh, you know, when he was trying to get himself back into basketball shape. So that was that was a scary thing. And, you know, it was something that you, you really uh, oh, just a lot of a lot of crazy things have happened. But I'll turn it over to Rick for the Tony Canigliaro story. Okay, well, well, be, be, before Tony Canigliaro, a couple of quick mentions. Uh, besides Reggie Lewis, of course, it was Len Bias. Yes. Yeah that, yeah, that was freaky too. Yeah. yeah. And um and some other ones that weren't deaths, but there were some serious injuries. Um Daryl Stingley. Yes. Um please. and for the Bruins, Ted Green and Norman Levelay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, with Tony Kingo, August 18th, 1967, I was at the Red Sox game sitting in the right field bleachers. And at one point in the game, there was a smoke bomb that went off down the left field line. And it, it was bad enough that they held up the game for a couple of minutes until they thought the smoke cleared out. But pretty much right after that, Jack Hamilton hit Tony Canigliaro right in the eye with a pitch that Tony never moved. And it, to this date, I think it, the smoke had something to do with that. I think he just he lost it. Yeah. And he was, I think he was, for a couple of days, was in uh, critical condition. Right. And he... Um, he, he came back, but he never was really the same. Um, but at the, his age, just yeah. to give you some statistics, he had he had won the home run title in '65. He had 24 home runs his first year, 32, then 28, and 20 in uh, you know in August 18th. He had 104 home runs. He was the youngest player to at that time to yeah. hit 100 home runs. Yeah. And what we think those of us who you know he wasn't he was a good outfielder, but not great. But the career he would have had probably would have been like Reggie Jackson. 
about yeah. 500 some odd home runs, you know, and a, about a 270, 280 batting average. That kind of player, he would have been a Reggie Jackson type, you know, not a yeah. not a big average hitter, but a, you know, a, a borderline Hall of Famer, maybe a Hall of Famer, because he. Yeah. You know, he was really off to a great start. Yeah, and he was also, I mean, well, for, yeah, another thing was he hit a home run his first at bat at Fenway Park. Yes, um, he did. But, but he was like, I mean, for the around here, he was, I mean, he was almost like a matinee idol. He was a local kid. He was good looking. He cut records. He did everything. You know, all he the did. girls loved him. Um, and I actually, in I think it was 2005, at an ACB convention in Las Vegas, when they had the sports group that ended up have a speaker. The speaker this time was Dick Williams, who was the manager of the Red Sox in 67. And I got to ask him, you know, if he thought the smoke bomb had anything to do with, with him getting hit and also what he thought Tony Canigliaro would have been if he, he hadn't got hit. And, and he said he thought the smoke bomb did have something to do with it. And he also said, to tell you the truth, he says, I think his potential was unlimited. There's no way to know. He could have been great. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's Absolutely. about what I've got. Yeah. yeah. We'll have more on him later when we uh, tell the other story about Luke Kraut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, Perry. To, yeah, let's go. Yeah, down the lineup, Perry. We'll do the lineup. Perry. Oh, Perry's probably okay. getting information. He's an intrepid reporter, you know? Right. Yeah. He's... All right. Well, Bill, so let's okay. go ahead and we'll get Perry in a minute. Okay. Um, it has to be an end with the. When I was living in Evansville and the plane crash of the Evansville Aces on December 13th, 1977, I was listening to the the scanner when it happened. It was it was um, something. So I, I would say there goes the train, Robert. There goes Robert Strange. <laughs> mine. No, I pr- probably say that's probably well, it's the maybe worst. a frustrated Santa Claus. That sounds more like a Salvation <laughs> Army bell. I don't know. Go ahead, Bill. So that that probably was it. Would okay. would. Oh, what about now? We got Perry back. I think. Well, hang on a second. What about the Eddie Sachs thing, uh, Bill? I forgot uh, about that. I remember that quite well from 1964 on the second lap. Him and uh, Davey McDonald. Um, I remember that quite well, but that that was an impression because Eddie Sachs was my favorite driver at the time. So yeah. I remember that from 64, and I do remember the 78. So, And, of course, we had a, an explosion at a ice hockey arena in Indianapolis, which killed a lot of people. In wow. 1963, wow. on October 31st. So there's been a few things over the years, and I'm sure I can think of others. But that, that was Okay, it. well, Perry's back. We had to bat out of order, so we're being uh, <laughs> by the umpires. Because we had to, had to go out of order. Perry, what you got? Uh, you know, of course, Earnhardt. We all remember that on TV, yeah. you know, yep. 20 years ago. But I think the one that got me the most is the day that, you know, we were watching the local channels and the, even the nat, you know CNN and and all the the Payne Stewart um, yeah. when yeah. when the, they lost the cabin pressure and everybody froze to death basically yeah. and um, basically speaking he that flew the plane did right over us and it I mean yeah. it landed it, it ended up crashing in South Dakota and it didn't do anything but uh, for a while they were worried wow is this going to you know is it going to hit Des Moines is it going to hit Omaha Sioux you know where they didn't quite know and it flew right over us and, and eventually came down but you know that was that was quite a story yeah it was uh, okay so robert hi uh, well um, oh were you going to say something bill what me, I, I, um, um, I, I have to start with the unfortunate uh, 
Daryl Singley. Uh, yes. uh, that well, that was uh, that was horrifying. And uh, you know, I, I look. I'm a Raiders fan, but I will never forgive uh, Jack Tatum for uh, what he did, and he never apologized for no. it either. Not really. No. Never visited him in the hospital and none of that. No. And he John wrote Madden a book. did. I'll give John yeah. Madden. Yeah. He was there and he was there for a long time. He was yeah. there with him and uh, yeah. really did uh, show, uh, you know, sportsmen, a lot of sportsmanship. Yeah, no, he actually, he, after the game, Chris, he went, he went to the hospital and he stayed there for, I don't know how long. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Um, but that, that's, that's number one. I mean, that, I mean, yeah, it was a preseason game, but you know, I mean, that, uh, I, uh, that really, that, as a kid, because I was like 12, 13 years old back then, that really shook me up. Uh, that, uh, another one that really shook me up and it changed boxing forever, uh, in, uh, after this fight happened, all fights, all championship fights went to 12 rounds after this. Ray Boom Boom Mancini, uh, basically killed, uh, Dooku Kim, uh, from Korea in the ring. Uh, the fight went 14 rounds uh, and knocked Kim unconscious, and yeah, Kim never did come out of it. So, and after that, boxing uh, uh, changed the rules, and now all championship fights are 12 rounds now because on, of that. On the Saturday night fights, this is in 1962, and I didn't see, I wasn't watching it with them. Well, my mother and father were watching the fight. My mother couldn't stand boxing anyway, but my father was watching the fight, and 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 Benny Kid Perrette was being was fighting Amo Griffith. Yep. Emil Griffith, said, you know, and they're both good fighters. But my, my mother was watching that fight, and she said, he's he's going to kill him. And my father said, no, it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's going to be okay. Benny Kid Perrette died. She was right. Yeah, exactly. He died. Emil, yeah. Emil Griffith killed him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Griffith, I mean, it was a good guy. I mean, nobody wanted, you know, that to happen. It wasn't a bad person at all. No one no. ever said anything bad about Emil Griffith. But that was, uh, that was uh, you know, a really scary time in boxing that, uh, that in 62, that March of 62, I think it was. And, you know, after that, uh, I mean, Ray, Ray Mancini was a very good fighter after that, but he never was, he never was the same kind of oh. fighter after that, yeah. you know. And then right, that was right around the time, but not long after that, when you had the Ray Leonard incident with the eye socket. Yep. Um, well, yeah, Ray, yeah. Ray had, Ray had all kinds of eye issues anyway, um, you know. Yeah. But that didn't help. Yeah, that was... But anyway, that's a couple of mine. Daryl Stingley okay. and Ray Boom yep. Boom Mancini. Okay, so. Sean? All right, well, before, I you. before you go, Sean, um, just in, Tiger Woods showed no signs of impairment. So they'll, of course, do some testing, but no yeah. signs of any sort yeah, of that's impairment after the right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I think of Monday night, 1985. Oh, yes. Lawrence Taylor, I think it was Lawrence Taylor, uh, Joe yeah, Seisman, the, yep. leg, yep. the great leg break that ended his career. He never really bounced back it was just oh and, just, and was, well and for those of you that couldn't see be glad you couldn't see yeah. it was yeah. disgusting. the way the description was just you know yeah. and you know i think of that one that was just like whoa and you i mean it got silent even i think yeah. it was al frank and i think dan deardorff might no he wasn't with them yet i forgot who was doing the game then yeah, uh, was Frank. Yeah, but anyway, they got silent, and then even on the radio, it was, was that that was 
I think that was Jack Buck and Hank Buckingham. Okay, that was still Jack Buck and Hank Strim. I couldn't remember if that yeah. was the year, but I just turned it on and it was and it was silent, so I couldn't remember if that was the year. But I went back to the TV because they were really just like, look at that. Look, I mean, yeah. Gifford was just, and I think I think that one might have been the year that Joe Namath and O.J. Simpson were doing it with them, and that was before Al came in, and they were just. It's like wow, but oh, yeah. I just remember that one. Pierre, and Pierre if you players. want to raise your hand, if you want to raise, if you want to unmute, Pierre, we'll get to you in just a second. Yeah, you talk about players on the floor. I remember Loyola Marymount games used to come on late at night on ESPN, and I remember Hank Gathers. Yeah, oh right. yeah, that's Hank Gathers. Oh. And this one, okay, it's it's scripted. It's a scripted sport, but everybody, even if you're not a pro wrestling fan, you heard about this time because it made major national news. Uh, WWE superstar uh, Owen Hart, he didn't want to do a certain storyline with him because of his family. And so he was doing an event. They were lowering him down to the ring in some contraption. And I ordered this pay-per-view, and it busted, and he fell to the ring. And he was just dead right there, and there was blood because it snapped. They were low. He was doing this little He was doing a little stunt. They just lowered him into the ring for the match, and he was supposed to come out of it, and it snapped, and he was just Wow. I mean, yep. it was instantly dead. And then, of course, Vince McMahon kept going with the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the amazing thing. I was listening to a thing the other day uh, on uh, this Golden Age News Network that I listened to, and they were playing a, a thing about Le Mans in 1955 because they were doing the first day of Monitor, the Monitor show that used to be on NBC, and they were playing the first part that was telecast and broadcast. And there was a report from Paris, and they were talking about a whole bunch of people that had been killed in the stands by a, you know something had flown in, you know an engine or something from a crash, and it killed a bunch of people. They continued yeah. the race, and there was a race in sure. 50, in 60, I think, at Indy 500, where some fans were injured, and they continued the race then. I mean, they just wouldn't do that now. You know, they would definitely yeah, no. stop. No, no. The times were different in those days. And, and Vince another... McMahon got sued. The Hart family sued McMahon, and there's a good documentary on it called On Dark Side of the Ring. They sued him, and they won. And wrestlers were very upset that they kept going with the pay-per-view. One of the and things that happened, too, at an NFL game, and I don't I remember the last name was Hughes, but I know a Detroit Lion died of a heart attack yeah, on the field. Chuck Hughes, I think. Chuck Hughes? Yeah. yeah. But in 1970 or so, he was a Detroit member of the Lions, and he died. Yeah of a heart attack on the field. So that was, we didn't see it. You know, we were, you know, in those days you got your regional games and they didn't switch everybody to it like they would have now, but it was. Uh, and of course, Chris, bad. remember in baseball, you have the Harry Callis and the uh, John McSherry situation. Yes, Harry Callis dying in the booth before the game uh, for the Phillies and John McSherry opening day in Cincinnati, if I remember right. Yep. It was the umpire behind I think, the plate. I think it was out behind the plate. Yeah, he was. Yes. He was behind. It was like the first or second inning. It was very early in the game. I remember that. Yep. 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 Yeah. Let's right. go to Pierre. Let's go to Pierre. Well, the uh, one I remember is uh, back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, uh, LSU's uh, football team wasn't doing very well. So they went out and they hired this. Back then, he was a real hot coach by the name of Bo Ryan. And, oh, uh, yeah. And, no, that's uh, not the Wisconsin basketball coach. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but, I think uh, I know the story, though. But well, yeah, this guy's name was Bo Ryan. So uh, they uh, they flew a plane to get pick him up and bring him to Baton Rouge to introduce him as their coach. Well, they introduced him, and then he got on a plane. I think he was a coach at North Carolina, if I remember right. And he got on a plane to go back home. Well, the uh, 
the thing that pressurizes the cabin on the plane failed. And the pilot and him and everybody else fell asleep. Like Payne and Stewart, plane, yeah. And the plane just flew on uh, over the uh, Atlantic, and they finally crashed into the ocean. Two uh, spring training events that happened with the Cubs. I know one was 65, and I don't remember when the other year was. I think it was around that time, maybe the next year or so. Uh, Jack Quinlan, uh, an announcer for the Cubs, uh, died in a, a car crash in Arizona during spring training. I think that was 65. And maybe the next year, Kenny Hubb, a uh, player for the Cubs, yeah. the second baseman, uh, died in a, in a car crash in, in Arizona, too, if I remember. And, uh, that, and uh, that Glenn Beckert got the job right after that, so they kind of had him lined up. <clears throat> Kenny Hubbs was a good player. He'd, you know, Red Sox used to be in, in uh, play the Cubs all the time, and Kenny Hubbs was one of their best players. And then, uh, uh, so LSU was in a bind then because their coach had died. So they had to hurry up and find a coach. And there was a guy in uh, Baton Rouge by the name of Jerry Stovall that used to play. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yep. so they, they hired him as the, as the coach, and he was awful. And it took <laughs> all the years, it took all those years until, uh, you know, now LSU's back up in football, but there was a lot of years after that crash where they were awful. Yeah, the wow. year, yeah, the year that I lived in Louisiana in '81, I think Stovall was the coach then. Right. Yeah. And we had a whole. What was that thing that happened? There was a bunch of in, the Cleveland Indians killed in 1993 in a uh, car crash. Yeah, yeah. It was a boating accident. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Boating. Yeah. And then yeah. the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Center, the Oklahoma State Cowboy basketball team, and right. Yeah, we also had a Miami Marlin pitcher die in a boating accident. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. and remember the Daryl Kyle situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, of course yeah. Don Drysdale died in his hotel room before a yeah. game. Uh, that was another one in, uh, in uh, around Fourth of July of '93. And, and then who was the who was the guy that was on the plane that crashed in the Everglades? One of the running backs for the Colts um, in about '93 or so. Rick, do you remember or Bill? Do you guys remember no, what his name was? I can't think of his name. Uh, of course, we had Thurman Munson, of course. And Thurman oh, Munson yeah. yeah. in '79. Yeah, yep. that's right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was uh, here. Is that pretty much sure? Anything else, Pierre? I guess, I, I guess not. Lee <laughs> right the We do <laughs> not have any more hands, Chris. All right. So, okay. well, this is after all. A lot of times we've been talking about, like, happy moments in sports <laughs> and stuff. Well, we've already been doing deaths for about yeah. half an hour. So we'll just continue <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. This is, it fits right in with our motif. So people yeah. better stay yeah. tuned because you haven't been listening to anything but deaths or tragedies for more than for 20 minutes anyway. So you That's need to right. keep it up. All right. Claude Crabb, he's 80 years old. A cornerback for Washington from 62 to 63. <clears throat> the Eagles 64 through 65. The Rams 66 through 68. He started 29 of 80 games. He had 10 interceptions, uh, three touch, uh, well, oh, one touchdown, and five uh, fumble recoveries. He died from COVID 19 uh, <clears throat> a month before his 81st birthday. Then we have Angel Mangual, 73 years old. Uh, he uh, played uh, for Pittsburgh in 69. The A's from uh, 71 through 76. I guess he was in the minors in 70. Uh, he was uh, he won the World Series for the A's, of course, all three of those in 72, 73, and 74. And then he, he uh, hit, uh, let's see, he played in 450 games. He hit uh, 245, 306 hits, 22 home runs, 125 RBIs. And uh, let's see, uh, and 20 postseason games, and he hit 156 in the postseason. Uh, postseason, 
and he uh, won Game Four of the World Series of the ground ball single scoring Gene Tennis, and uh, put the A's up three games to one. And but he got he was uh, it was interesting that series he got three hits, and um, you saw how uh, well he did later on. Not not too good. Yeah, uh, he he was more of a defensive player. Yeah, he come in later in the game. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, let's see. They thought he was. Uh, they called him. His nickname was Little Clemente. They thought he had all kinds of prevent, uh, potential. And in that World Series inning, when the A's came from behind three game three to one in the game and won it four to three, there were three pinch hits in that inning, and that was the first time that had ever happened in the World Series game. That's so, correct. Uh, Angual was the last one to win the game. Uh huh. Wayne Nunley, UNLV uh, football coach from '86 through '89. He was only 19 and 25, but he had a long uh, record as an assistant. Assistant, assistant coach for uh, high school in Las Vegas in uh, 75, then uh, graduate assistant UNLV in 76, then assistant, and there were many California small schools uh, from 77 through 81, running backs coach for UNLV, 82 through 85, then, of course, the head coach, running backs coach for USC, 91-92, defensive line coach for UCLA, 93-94, defense lines coach for uh, New Orleans, 95 and 96, defense line coach for the Chargers, 97 through 08. That was his long uh, deal, and defensive line coach for Denver, 2009 through 2011. So. Uh, we don't have, some of these we don't have causes of the death this week, so that's we're just yeah. if they're not there, we don't have them. So Jack Vivian, 79 years old, head Bowling Green hockey coach from '66 through '73, and then the GM of the Cleveland Crusaders from '73 through '76. <clears throat> excuse me, and then the uh, coach uh, for 44 games in the 74-75 season. For uh, Bowling Green, he was 68-53-8. And, and for uh, the, the uh, Crusaders, he was 21-21-2. And, and then he was a scout for the New York Islanders from 76 through 92. Then Juan Pizarro, the well-traveled Juan Pizarro. I didn't realize exactly how well-traveled he was <laughs> until I got this. 84 years old, played for the Milwaukee Braves. He was a pitcher. Played for the Braves, 57 through 60. The White Sox from 61 to 66 used to kill the Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> Him and John Buzzard, you couldn't yeah. hit those guys. Pittsburgh, 67 and 68. The Red Sox from 68 and 69. And again, he would be in the trade, I think, uh, went to Cleveland in 69 uh, and Oakland that year as well. But I think he would have been in that trade with, uh, you know, uh, Harrelson and Siebert and Vicente Romo and Joe Askew and all those guys. And went to Cleveland and then Oakland to the Cubs from 70 through 73. Houston and also in 73. No, we're not done. Pittsburgh in 74. <laughs> he was an all-star for the, in the American League for the White Sox. His best years were the White Sox, 63 and 64. And he was the World Series winner in 57 with the Braves. And he was the strikeout leader in 61 and 62 for the White Sox. Uh, let's see if our, our strikeouts per nine innings pitch. He had 244 starts of 488 uh, games. I was thinking of him as a starter, but I guess later he was a reliever. 131 and 105, a 3.34 ERA, 1,522 strikeouts, and uh, 79 complete games and 16 shutouts and 28 saves. So, and uh, But he did get around. He died of cancer. He uh, hit 202, and he had eight homers. So not exactly the Earl Wilson type, more the Hank Gary type, but they, he did hit eight homers. So he yeah, got he's, he's better than Dean Chance. That's right. Dean Chance, Hank Gary, they were the worst. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now here's the Lou Krause story. Lou Krause, 60, 77 years old, played for the Kansas City A's in 61, 
and then 64 through 67. Then the Oakland A's in 68 and 69, Milwaukee 70 and 71, the Red Sox in 72, uh, then one game for St. Louis in 73. He played for the Braves in 74. And then, uh, let's see, uh, his record was 68. I don't know how he stayed in the majors. 68 and 91, 4.00 ERA, uh, 721 strikeouts, and 21 saves. Amazing. But in, uh, let's see, and let's see what's the... Uh, 167 games. Uh, he started 167 of 321 games pitch, and he died of cancer. But okay, here's the story about uh, this, and this was very interesting. Uh, and this is before Robert's time, so he wouldn't remember this, but uh, I sure remember. Uh, didn't know the Monty Moore part. Well, Monty Moore was a spy for Charlie Finley. And he went around and he would tell Charlie whatever the players were talking about. And the players didn't know. And, you know, in those days, the announcers and, and especially a small crew like Kansas City, this is 67, probably had two sports writers, the two announcers, and that was it. And the players and coaches, and that was the traveling party because you're not a, not a big media market. So, you know, they knew, oh, yeah, oh, Monty's here and who cares. So anyhow, he was um, – it was found out, the players figured out that Monty Moore was spying for Finley. So Lou Krause started to play practical jokes on Monty Moore. So what happened was uh, Monty Moore made up a story that uh, Lou Krause had been disrespectful, disrespect, disrespectful to a pregnant woman on the plane. Remember, they used to fly commercials. So they'd be on with the regular public. So he said that Lou Krause had done something disrespectful or talked to bad to a pregnant woman on the plane. So then uh, Alvin Dark came in and, you know, so Finley's all mad. So he calls in Alvin Dark and, you know, he fires him. Then he rehires him. Then uh, the, the players sent in a petition in favor of Krause and saying the Monty Moore's a spy. So he fires Alvin Dark again. You know, he's, he was... Uh, <laughs> and Charlie Finley was a George Steinbrenner of his time. <laughs> he was. And yeah. I don't know if he drank, but it sounds like the kind of thing that could happen if you're sitting there drinking with someone. Yeah. Anyway, he fired him again because the players supported him. So, and he and he didn't want to. You know, he, uh, he they uh, he fined him like five hundred dollars, and I don't yep. think the suspension went through. But he fined him for five hundred dollars. Well, Ken Harrelson had had it. You know, he, he knew about all this, and he got mad. And he said, "Charlie Finley is a menace to baseball." So Charlie Finley releases Ken Harrelson. Well, this all started on August eighteenth, uh, the day that Tony Canigliaro was hit. That Rick was talking about. So Ken Harrelson, of course, the Red Sox need a right fielder. They just lost their right fielder for the year. So they picked up Ken Harrelson a couple of days later, and he came in, did okay, had a great year in '68, won the RBI title and all that stuff. Became very popular here. It changed his whole career because that really got him going into broadcasting because he was so popular here and got his job with the Red Sox and then the White Sox and all that. I think yeah. I don't know whether all that would have happened if he hadn't gotten to the, to Boston because it really you know he started these sub shops called the Hawk Shop and he just became the most folk hero around here. So anyway, uh, he helped the Red Sox win the pennant. So on, indirectly, Monty Moore and Lou Krause and all those guys. Charlie Finley and uh, Alvin Dark were involved in helping the Red Sox win the pennant, but it was such, it was a crazy story. But uh, uh, and Monty still uh, still appears on TV once in a while uh, during the season for the A's. You know, comes in and make guest appearances. And he's told that story, Chris, several times. About, I guess he can talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, now that Finley's gone, but he, yeah. you know, he, you know, and of course, Monty Moore. Yeah, yeah. And if you listen to those A's World Series, he's right there in either the radio or TV booth, and he was a good that's announcer. Right. Yeah, Monty Moore was a good announcer. That you know, that's not the problem. The problem was he was spying on the players, and uh, Lou Kraus and Jack Aker and uh, Jim Nash all demanded trades. I think Jim Nash got traded, but I don't remember yeah. Baker did. But uh, you know, so that's the Lou Kraus story, a very yeah. interesting one. So and then we had. Stan Williams, 84 years old, 
pitched for the Dodgers from 58 through 62, the Yankees in 63 and 64. He was traded for Moose Scourin, by the way. Um, Scourin went to the Dodgers, won the World Series, and Stan Williams went to the Yankees and lost the World Series. In yep. uh-huh. Cleveland for three games in 65, and then he, back, he must have gotten hurt because then he was back with the Indians in 67 through 69. Right. Minnesota, 70 and 71. The Cardinals for 10 games in 71. Then in 72, uh, he was the Red Sox for and. Uh, three games for the Red Sox in 72. So Lou Krause and, and, and I don't know if they were there at the same time, but he and Stan Williams were teammates, mm-hmm. uh, at least both on the 72 Red Sox. He started uh, 208 of 482 games, did Stan Williams, 109 and 94, 3.48 ERA, 1,305 strikeouts and 42 saves. And then uh, then he became, oh, he was an NRL All-Star in 60, and uh, the two All-Star games in 60. And then he won the 59 World Series with the uh, with the Dodgers. And then, uh, let's see, then he became a pitching coach for the Red Sox in 75-76. So they didn't win the World Series, but he coached them into the World Series with uh, Daryl Johnson being the Red Sox manager. So they, he was a World Series loser, too. Then yep. the White Sox. 77 through then 78, the Yankees uh, pitching coach. This is all pitching coach, 80 through 82, Cincinnati, 84, the Yankees again in 87 through 88, Cincinnati, 90 through 91, which means he was the pitching coach for the Reds in 90 when Lupinello and the Reds got the World Series there. Seattle in uh, had a, a off time, went to the Mariners for 98 and 99. I think Pinello was there. So that makes yep, sense. He was. And uh, Pinello uh, again, won the World Series with him in 90, uh, he was called Big Daddy and the Big Hurt, uh, way before Frank Thomas and That's right. whatever. But I never knew that. He was oh. six, six foot five and two hundred thirty pounds, and he was in hospice care because of cardio pulmonary illness. And then we have one more. This has been an interesting list, and just uh, the stories. And uh, Chris, uh, whoops, Ron, read the wrong name. John Roach, eighty-seven years old, played for the Chicago Cardinals in '56 as a punter. Then back with the car, he went to the Air Force in 57, 58. Again, if you didn't do your reserve duty when, um, you know, my brothers were that age, too, and they had to do their Army Reserve or they'd get called up and end up wherever. Well, they, these guys, some of these players didn't do it. They were in college and fooled around, and they, they would be gone for a couple of years. Then the Cardinals, uh, he was there with the Cardinals in 59 when they were still in Chicago. The St. Louis Cardinals in 60. Green Bay in 61 through 63. And the Dallas Cowboys in 64. He was a punter his first year. And then he became a cornerback, a defensive back, and then a quarterback. And he was uh, 23. He started 23 of 64 games. He threw for 2,765 yards and 24 uh, touchdowns and uh, and two uh, 24 touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns, 19 fumbles, it says here, and 10 recoveries. And he threw, uh, let's see, how many interceptions? 37 interceptions in his career. Now, I'm wondering where the David got confused. I think that's probably the yeah, the defensive back. And maybe he threw some and caught some. I don't really know about that 37. That's a lot of interceptions. So he threw that in at the end of his thing, and I don't think he thought it through about him being a defensive back and a quarterback. Right. So the deal was – he was the quarterback for the uh, for the car for the Green Bay. He was the backup quarterback to Bart Starr in '61 and '62. But in '63, he had to play because Bart Starr got hurt, and um, 
he played uh, and and uh, in '63, and they went four and one. They were ten, uh, eleven, two and one, I think it was. But the Bears beat him out. Uh, but anyway, he did play for the the Cardinals. I guess he really got to be the quarterback there because a couple of guys got hurt. But then he was traded to Green Bay as a backup, and then did get to play in '63. Then Dallas, uh, they talked him out of retirement because Don Meredith got hurt during uh, training camp. But uh, I don't know the, what his statistics were with the Cowboys. So he wasn't much of a quarterback. But some of those interceptions, I think, were were caught rather than thrown. But anyway, right. probably probably a lot of interceptions involved. But I do did remember the name, and I'm like, I've heard that name before. So okay, I think that's it for this week. We do. You have right. Bob who wants to come in. So, Bob, if you want to unmute yourself, and as you do, another thing in the, with the poll question, I remember back in, I believe it was the fall of 91, the University of Iowa had a shooting on campus, and it happened on a Friday oh. afternoon, and they were worried, you know, are we going to play the football game or, and all this stuff the next day? Well, they ended up playing, and uh, but uh, that, that was a big they deal. Now. They wouldn't play now. No. Nope. But, uh, Bob, go ahead. Star six, Bob. Yeah, star six. Or something on – He is unmuted. Like. Bob, go ahead. Hmm. Well. Okay. Okay, Bob. Uh, Bob right. doesn't want to talk. Okay. Go ahead, Sean. All right, well, whatever I thought of, of course, we all – you know, the Texas A&M, the Aggie bonfire trend. Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, when it collapsed and all the people, and they've never done one on campus since. I mean, there's an off-campus, and it was – they always built a bonfire right before the Texas game, and it collapsed, and people were just – and both schools just pulled together this major tribute. Yeah. I just remember that. But now they don't even play anyway, the Texas uh, game. It's so dangerous. You know, no, I'm just Yeah, kidding. yeah, they do, but yeah, so – but I guess all right. Well, next week we're gonna have a little happier question. I promise. I, I got a good one yeah. next week. Yeah, I think we'll have an. And I wasn't gonna do this, but then I saw the anniversary of Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, that no, that was a good, good question. So anyway, but if you want to download the podcast, if you want to listen again anytime or anytime you ever miss it, just remember go to legendoldies.com, Type in Sports Lounge Live three words or tell your podcatcher. To type in Sports Lounge Live, it'll be delivered to you right as soon as it's posted. Or tell your smart device to play Sports Lounge Live from Apple Podcasts. Or go to 773-572-3006, option number nine. So anyway, next week we're going to be close, more in, maybe some exhibition games, and we'll see you then. Bye.